we talk about this stuff all the time, like the power of one is so huge and no one gets it. And especially the power of one when you have like privilege or a platform, that's way bigger than you realize. And like, you, I always think about a bee, like bees. I'm like, one bee is like a bit annoying. And then a hive is like, oh my God, Powerful. I'm terrified. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers, and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines, and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a writer and social activist who launched a national campaign to make upskirting illegal after a man took a picture up her skirt at a music festival in 2017. As of April this year, any upskirting offenders can now be arrested. If convicted, they will face up to two years in jail and may be placed on the sex offenders register. She has recently published her first book, which is an essential handbook for the modern activist. Her national campaign has been featured in Refinery29, Stylist and This Morning. Welcome to the studio, the author of Be The Change, Gina Martin. Hello, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. What a lovely introduction. Gina, I'm buzzing that you're here, although I'll have to admit I'm a little bit sad and disappointed that you didn't bring Gary with you. Oh my God, Gary Tortellini, my tortoise. I want to take Gary with me everywhere, but she's just not up for it. She's a little rock with her head and she doesn't really like socialising. She's a she. She's a she, Called yeah. Gary. We didn't know, but they're very in the egg, depending on how like hot or cold it is, they're male or female, so they're like fully on the spectrum. So she's got female reproductive system, but she's got male hormones. So we kind of... We projected some kind of gender ideas on our talk to this, but that's fine. My sister's got a doctor and that's a girl too. And people always assume she's a dude. Oh, but so no. how many, do you have one tortoise? Yeah, we have one, but I live with my sister. We had Dr. Alison Parker, which is my sister's, and then Gary Tortellini, which is mine. They're both so much fun. Pet tortoise goals. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's <laughs> kick this off and take it back, please, to 2017, to that festival. Can you tell us what happened and how that has led you to, well, how it led you to start the national campaign? Yeah, so July 2017. So I was waiting for the killers to come on stage at British Summertime in Hyde Park. And um, these group of guys, like 10 guys, were kind of hitting on me and my sister. I just said I was hungry and this guy like offered me a chip. And I was like, yeah, fine, thanks. Took a chip. And then after that, it was like, I owed him everything he was actually like trying to talk to me and he was like so blah 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 making loads of jokes and I was like I'm it's really like thanks for the chip but I'm just trying to have a good night with my sister like a good day with my sister went on and on and on for about 40 minutes and he then he made like a really gross joke really loud so everyone could hear it and I insulted him like said something back and then about five minutes later um I felt him brush up against me but I was in a crowd of like 60,000 people so I was like that happens but then I saw you know when you, you when you're like people are laughing at me and I don't know why you could just mm-hmm. feel the energy yeah. And I was kind of on edge because of that. And then this guy was standing in front of me, this really, really tall blonde guy. And I, he was on his phone. He had his back to me. And I kind of looked around the side and he had this photo he'd been sent on WhatsApp, which was like two inches away from a girl's like crotch. And it was a really gross picture. Like it was just like really well taken. It's broad daylight. And like my knickers were all twisted. And, you know, like it was just like, oh, this is gross. Like I'm, I'm so humiliated. Yeah. And I just knew it was me. So I like grabbed the phone. I'd had a drink, which I'm glad I'd had a drink because I had some like courage because mm-hmm. I'd had a gin. I was like, no, you know. Um, and I grabbed the phone, held it up and we got into like a scuffle. I slapped him and then he like grabbed me and then all these. So he wasn't the guy that took the photo? No, he'd been sent it. <gasps> I know which guy took it. 
to this day and they found him but they couldn't like disprove his alibi which was this completely convoluted ridiculous story um but yeah we got into a scuffle and then he sort of grabbed me and tried to get the phone off me and then a couple of people in the crowd helped me and i i these two guys like pushed him back and were like run and i like ran through the crowd to the police how like traumatic though the fact oh, that you know this terrifying. is a stranger he's a tall guy you're at a festival like that is such a do you know what I mean? Just like an awful experience to have to go through. Anyway. Before, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was so scary. And he was just, yeah, he was just massive. And I, and as I slapped him, I was like, oh my God, I shouldn't have angered him. You know, like, I was oh, like, oh, no. what have I done? Yeah. And he like grabbed me. It was really scary. Anyway, and then I ran off with the phone and he ran after me and I was like pushing through the crowd and he sort of, I thought I'd lost him, but then I turned around and he was like right behind me. It was literally like a dream. Oh it was God. like horrific. <laughs> anyway, I got out of the crowd. I managed to get to the security like right before him. And like I was running so fast and they obviously saw like a young girl crying and a big guy chasing after her. So they were like, oh shit. Yeah. Um, am I allowed to swear? No, you go ahead. Oh my God, thank God. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit and bums. No. Um, yeah, so I like got to them. They kind of broke my momentum and then he like jumped over them and was trying to like swipe at me and stuff. And then the police came. Was it if? Yeah, was this was guy so really drunk angry. as well? He was really drunk. I think they were all really drunk. And he was he was just really angry, I think, that he'd been rumbled and that I had his phone. Like his mm. thing was like, you have my phone. And I was like, because there's photos of my crotch on it. What's yeah. wrong with you? But also even in front of security to continue that kind of, yeah, I'm actually trying to swipe at you in yes. public, in broad daylight, in front of people. Yeah. I'm a grown man, you're a woman, and I'm literally trying to physically assault you. He must have been drunk, I think. Yeah. Because he couldn't control, like he was so angry. Um, anyway, yeah, people love then, their phones. They do. People love. They're expensive, man. Yeah. They're expensive. Um, yeah, and then the police came, and then the police were like, they're really lovely. It was a guy and a woman, and they came over, and I remember being like, oh, I'm so glad this female police officer, because she'll get how bad this is. Mm. And they walked over, and the the male police officer said, you should be able to go to a festival in a skirt, and this not happened to you. It's 30 degrees. Like this is awful. But we've had to look at the photo. It's not a nice photo. It shows more than you want it to show. But um, you're wearing knickers, so like it's not a graphic image. So there's nothing we can do really. And I was like. As if. Oh, I was like, but I was so sad and, and I felt so tiny and so humiliated that I kind of turned into a kid and was like, oh, I guess you're right. Oh, you know, and like, well, you would because also, as well, like I said, in that moment, I can only imagine that you just, I don't know, things like that when there's like adrenaline and like, you know, things happen so, so fast. Yes. That I guess, yeah, if someone's who, who there is, someone who's there as an authoritative figure who's, you know, then saying to you, like, oh, there's nothing you can do. You believe them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you're, and you're, and it's really interesting, actually, because I talked to a friend of mine, Layla, who's like an incredible writer, and she was saying, she's mixed race and she was saying to me like it's really interesting that you walked up to the police and you were like they'll help me they'll be here for me they'll solve this issue and then when they said they couldn't you believe them because she was like my experience with the police I've never walked up to them and be like they'll solve my issue it was really mm, interesting yeah but um yeah so I was like okay that's really crap and I just kind of walked off they didn't even kick them out and I just carried on the rest of the night I'd like drop my purse on the way for the run so I lost all my money and I was just like oh god Tried to enjoy the rest of the night, was pretending to, what didn't, and then got home. And then I put up the next day, I found a photo on my phone, like a selfie of me and Stevie had taken the guys in the back, background before they'd done it. And I was like, oh, I have this picture. So I was like, I'm going to put that on social media. I'm going to ask people to share it. Um, and I just want to embarrass them. I want to find them in some way. Like, mm. I want them, to, I didn't even know what I wanted out of it. I just wanted some kind of punishment. Put that up. It went a bit viral. A couple of influencers helped me. I just, I messaged some people with followings and who were sympathetic to like women's causes and said, will you share this? And Grace Victory was one of them and someone else. Got like a few thousand likes and then Facebook contacted me and said, you have to set a photo down, it's harassment because you put their faces on Facebook. And I was like, but. I'm harassing them. Oh, oh I was like, oh. And that's when I looked into law and I was like, okay, so um, in Scotland, it had been a sexual offence for 10 years. Here it hadn't been. And in various other countries around the world had been. And I'm, contacted like a, a friend who's a law student and said like can you write me a one pager because I think I'm right but I'm so not I'm academic like I'm so I scrape by in school like I don't understand all that stuff and I'm so not that type of person so I thought I was like automatically I probably got it wrong she was like no you're right 
did a social media campaign, packaged up those numbers, sold them to traditional media, went on like this morning, did debates opposite women who were like, you should wear trousers and like, police are dealing with terrorism, Gina. Like, no one cares about you. This is not important. Yeah. Mm. And then got a lawyer and got like organized. And that was like 18 months from there where I went into parliament and lobbied, which was really fun because politicians are great. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, even anything to do with like legislation and like all these kind of things that just have and seem to have endless barriers. The fact that you took that on and then not only took it on but like continued to pursue it to the point you know to, to have the law passed and like you said 18 months that's mm. a big commitment do you know what I mean yeah a huge like a commitment I bet yeah. I mean congratulations obviously oh, I'm sure you. you know a lot of people have congratulated you on that but I just think for so many people I'm sure they'd go yes I'm in the moment you know what I mean feeling rage or feeling like yes. injustice it's like I'm gonna do something about this yeah posting the thing getting some social traction like shame them and then it's like well I've done a bit now yes you, know yeah, what I mean? yeah. you lose the motivation after a while yeah I bet and I think the way that changes is that it was like the campaign was for me it was like an elaborate form of closure at the beginning because I was really angry it was like I'm just going to do something because I'm bored of this stuff happening and I'm just going to try and then when that like anger subsided by the time that subsided I'd found so many kids like in Croydon this teacher was upskirting the kids and they found 5,000 photos of like seven-year-old kids and all these kids were messaging me being like I can't go to school I feel too sick like they can't they can't arrest him so by that point there was too many other people who were like, and especially kids who were like, can you please keep going? So then it, even when the anger subsided, it was like, okay, there was kind of a joy in being like, oh, this isn't a selfish endeavor for me anymore. Like I could actually take this on and, and do this for other people, which gave me more clout, I guess, mm. when the anger had subsided. Wow. That yeah. is, I mean, Mad. shocking that it hadn't, that, know. you know, that is, I'm genuinely gobsmacked I think at that's that. why I did well, because everyone was like, what? It's not illegal. Are you <laughs> yeah. joking? Yeah. Like, how is that right? So tell us what, I guess now then, what can people do? So if someone sees um, an offender or if they are a victim of upskirting themselves, what's the first thing they should do? That's a really good question. I'm glad you put two sides to it because as a, as a victim of it and as someone that it happens to, there's, okay, I'll, I'll start that first, but I think it's really great that you said about what if you see it happening to someone else because we really need to get to a space where it's all of our problem and it's not just the person. So as a victim, before you wouldn't be able to prosecute uh, unless you prosecuted under an old common law that doesn't really work. Now you can go to the police and you can say, um, I've been upskirted. I know that that's a sexual offence under the sex under the uh, sexual offences act two thousand three. That's what we changed. Um, so you're going to say I've been upskirted. That's a sexual offence. Um, if it's happened once and they find the guy or the person and it's happened like once or twice, they'll probably find them um, or they'll go on the sex offenders register if it's bad. If they've done it multiple times, they'll go on the sexual offenders register or they go up to prison for two years. But if you if it happens to you, you just have to go and say, I know this is a sexual offence. It's the Voyeurism Act. That's what it's called. So if you okay. go and say, I want to prosecute under the Voyeurism Act or I want you to um, basically arrest this person under the Voyeurism Act, then they will. Mm. But it's really critical we do that because we don't know our own rights. And I didn't know my rights when I went over to try and get this guy pros- like charged. And I could have prosecuted under a really old law the police were basically like, it's too much work for us to even try and prosecute this guy for me because the law wasn't fit. So they would have had to jump through hoops to even try and prosecute him. But I should have known. Like, we, you just assume, mm. but we should be able to go, we should know enough to go over and go, this is a sexual offence I want to prosecute. Like, yeah. we should know our own rights because we think that the authorities that are there to look after us are going to do everything within their power to help every single person. They're incredibly stretched. Yes, yeah, and it's up to us to fill in the gaps for sure. Yeah. Um, but if you see it happening to someone else, which is actually the more common one, really, like because often you don't even know it happened to yourself. I saw the photo, I didn't see it happen. Um, it's up to all of us to be really good bystanders with this kind of stuff and with any kind of sexual violence or sexual harassment. But if you see it happen, 
Um, you make sure the person's safe. That's the first thing you do. So if they're like, if they're in a crowd, okay, great. I was lucky because I was in a sixty thousand person crowd. This could happen like a bus stop in the middle of the night or like anywhere. Make sure they're safe. Take a photo of the person that's done it. Mm. You need, you want to get a photo of the person, and we can all do that now easily. Like that's why you know obscuring has become so prevalent because we have mobile phones. So why aren't we using it for good? Let's take photos of the guy. Um, tell the person it's happening and try and um, get, keep the guy or get the phone. But if you can't do that, just go to the police with the photo, the time where it happened and the person if they mm. want to speak up, but just try and keep the person safe. But if you can get a photo, that's huge. Yeah, okay, yeah. awesome. And so your book is titled Be The Change. So who did you write this book for? Kind of seems like a silly question, but who did you write the book for? And also, what was that process like? Oh, yeah. Um, I wrote it for myself two years ago because when I started when I thought about trying to change a law I literally googled how do you change a law like I sat in my bedroom was like how do you change a law and not obviously nothing came up because it's like that's not a thing um but I had no idea where to start and I'm like I said I'm not political I'm I'm I am political I've not got political um experience and I've not got law experience and I'm not academic in any way so everything I read about parliamentary process or about like how you change a bill or even anything to do with activism so like how you write a press release or like how you embargo press releases before they go out or how do you use um how do you get local media and how do you get like advocacy like how do you deal with advocacy how do you get celebrities involved all this stuff was like so complex and Mm -hmm. I didn't understand it and so what ended up happening was for six months I had no idea what I was doing and I was just throwing shit at a wall hoping something stuck and having no idea what I was doing at all and having Mm -hmm. no like resources to back it up so when I finished the campaign, like the two months before the end of the campaign, I was like started writing this book because I was like, I feel like often, especially with progressive means and like trying to change society and like especially feminism and stuff, we're very good at being like, go girl, but we're not, very, but you're like, I'm going girl and I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes. Like there's no practical knowledge. And yeah. I was like, and then I go to stuff all the time and I, I feel really inspired, but I come away being like, okay, what's, I don't have three actions I can take or yeah. like, how do I start? Yeah. So the book is two sections. The first section is amazing people who have done incredible things who in the in history that have built up to where we are now and people are doing amazing things now. It's about why now are the be- is the best time to get involved with social media, with the internet, with um, politics and identity politics, everything that's happening in our country and all the right-leaning uh, politics we've got and how we need more people because we're so motivated by hope but people don't see it. We just think we're motivated by fear. Mm. We're, we, we focus on that all the time about this might happen if you don't do this or you know, like poverty porn and all this stuff, actually hope is such a huge motivation. Yeah. And people are doing amazing stuff right now. And we're not platforming those amazing people because we're just hearing about the controversial stuff and the, and, the, and the horrible stuff. But when you hear about the wonderful stuff, you feel like you can do it too. So the first section is like a kick up the arse, like a really supportive place to get started. And then the second section is literally campaigning from A to Z. So it's everything from like how to write press release, like I said, it's uh, how to use social media, we everyone thinks social media is this like nebulous thing it's not you know it's like a science mm-hmm. and there's no way you can go where it's like this is what all the platforms are for here's how you create good content here's how you write and you structure a good tweet that gets people involved in the first three seconds here's how to track your like how many people click on a link a lot of people don't know this stuff yeah um so how to do awareness campaigns with social media how to get celebrities on board a campaign um, and people who have been through the things so they understand it uh, how to get local media just like a whole bunch of stuff that I wish I could have had somewhere to dip in and out of, you yeah. know, and use templates and like really pull stuff out of it. And I'm really excited about it because like I did a, a I just did, I've been doing my book tour and I went to Wilderness at the weekend. And this like dad of three came up to me. He was like 45 and he was like, Gina, I'm halfway through book. And he was like so excited. And I was like, oh, nice to meet you. What's your name? And I can't, I can't remember his name now. It was like Dave or something. And he said, um, uh, you've like stoked this like 
or you've you've relit sorry this like 25 year thing I wanted to do with like tree planting like I wanted to attach it to something annually so every time people do something every year they have to plant trees so everyone plants a tree for every year of their life and I think it's a really great campaign and we need it now and then ever and I'm so excited and I've never been excited before about this stuff and it was like really it's really lovely because it's all ages like even the commissioner for the head of the committee in the house of lords is this lady who's like 65 and she was like she bought the book because she was like well I don't understand social media so I want to buy it and then you've got kids who are like oh, I don't know yeah. how to write press release so there's just really practical advice that anyone can use and it's even I go into even like how to spend your money like swapping stuff out in your daily life that's way better so like simple stuff like toilet roll your sanitary products um, where you get your food from all that kind of stuff that is not much more expensive mm-hmm. but it's just better for the world just even small things yeah. because we can all be doing stuff but I think we feel paralysed by how much there is to change. Mm-hmm. And really, you just have to start because it makes you feel so much better. Action really cures fear, I think, when you're worried about stuff. As soon as you take an action, you feel so much more in control. Yeah. So it's really about that. And I'm really proud in of it. In a nutshell. You should be proud of it. It sounds incredible. And I think, yes, yeah, such a useful, like you said, it's an actual, it's actionable takeaways as resource. It's something that yeah. you can use as opposed to, like you just said, it's interesting with motivation or you go to things where it's like, you know, even the whole thing about making change and like use your voice and like, make change but as you said if there's no practical steps to do and I think people sometimes think you know I really believe that the small changes are if not more important than the big ones because we can all do them and as you said then like daily things you can do so it's not saying to like everyone I know at the moment you know whether it's about you know whether you want to change your diet whether you want to go plastic free whether you want to stop buying fast fashion whether you want to whatever your choice is it's mm. your choice and that's that and not about you know shaming people no neither am I because that's kind of getting boring so unhelpful yeah unhelpful they and continues it just... when they made you feel bad about themselves like yeah. support them for what they're doing yeah exactly because something's better than nothing but I think sometimes people have said to me before they're like oh but you know one cup or one person or one and it's like it's we're all one person we're yeah. all you know what I mean so yeah I that's think like that's like that meme that's like oh Oh, it's only one straw said 60 billion people. You're like, right. It's, it really adds up. And I write that in the book. I'm like, we talk about this stuff all the time. Like the power of one is so huge and no one gets it. And especially the power of one when you have like privilege or a platform. That's way bigger than you realize. And like, you, I always think about bee, like bees. I'm like, one bee is like a bit annoying. And then a hive is like, oh my God, Powerful. I'm terrified. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I love that amazing visual. Very powerful, and I feel like that's the same with women right now. I'm just yes. like one woman. I'm like army of we're women. Making the hive. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, but you said then, which surprised me, that you weren't academic at school, and you're like, oh, I wasn't academic, and you know, and I've and I know that you read a lot, yeah. and so I feel like for some, I don't know, for you, I felt like it would just be a really easy, natural thing to be like, I'm just going to write a book about this. Oh no, not no? at all. No, I really struggled, really? and and I struggled just, I think, from confidence perspective, like I've written freelance for a long time. English was the the one academic thing I was good at in school. Like I loved English, I loved writing, but I was never I'm like borderline dyslexic. I struggle and I had to really work to be someone who could write and not use hanging clauses and not do all the really like messed up things you do with, with writing that makes it hard to read. I really worked through that in the last few years in my job, especially as a copywriter. Um, so writing a book where I was really scared because I was like, do you know what I was most scared of? I was really scared that when you've done something political and if you're like, Gina's changed the law, which is such a weird thing to say out loud, but also it sounds so impressive and I didn't, I, I thought people would be expecting a certain type of book and that book would be this really in-depth, esoteric, academic, political book that was like what you'd imagine like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to write. Something amazing. And I didn't want to write that book because I didn't need that book. Like now I'll read that book because I get the political process and I've done it for two and a half years. I wanted to write the book that was dead easy to read, that was dead accessible, that anyone could read, that had humour in it, that was like fun to read because so often these complex structures, we make them 
too intimidating to get involved with mm. and you need to start somewhere so you need like a nice place to start instead of so I kind of I made it accessible but I was really worried that people would be like oh that's you've dumbed it down Gina but I was like well because that's what I needed yeah, and and we me- don't need more books for politicians they've got all of them yeah. if you've been to the place like we've got every yeah. book in the world yeah and meet people where they're at I think that's the thing mm. about it. it's not necessarily dumbing it down I don't think is how I would describe the book but I think meeting people where they're at so that they feel like they can engage yes. and so that you know and actually speaking of change I saw I think online as well your social media I think the way that you use social media is great and I think that although it's informative and you know there's clearly you've got a message to share I still think it's fun and cool and like mm. yeah exactly just like the book so I saw a post that you wrote online once about wearing pink and you said that I never used to wear pink because I felt like it was too girly and you wouldn't be taken seriously but that's changed and now you say you'll walk straight into parliament wearing pink like a political powerpuff girl which I loved (laughs) and I agree that the conversation has definitely shifted around femininity and like that being seen as kind of like a bad thing or weakness so Gina how can we wear pink and still be badass? Oh my god, you just have to wear it with confidence. Like there's no there's no rules for how power looks anymore. Mm. That's the thing. I spent so much time in this space in parliament. I'd go in like a black suit because I thought that's I needed to basically copy the archetype of what power is now. I was like they won't take me seriously unless I look the same as them. And then there was so much more power in walking into a room of all old 60-year-old grey-haired guys in black suits and me wearing a red suit with flame on the flames on the bottom. Like it just it felt like when you walk, when you wear what you want to wear, and especially if it's like something colourful or loud, and you step into a room, you can't hide. So they automatically thought I was confident because they were like, oh my gosh, you wearing a pink suit in Parliament. So immediately I had to put my best foot forward. Mm-hmm. I couldn't shrink into the background. And there was just, there's a friend of mine, Jamie, who's non binary and doing this amazing work. Like they're walking into Parliament in their full face of makeup with like leopard skin uh, outfits on, the earrings, fishnets, like all that stuff. We need more people to do that, to be exactly who they are, because we've got we've we've shrank into a very specific type of what power looks like, and it's just not true. And that's why we need more compassion as well in terms of emotions. Like we need more more warmth, more compassion. I cried in a meeting with the Ministry of Justice, like blobbed, and I was really embarrassed about it afterwards. And I was like, no, we need more people. We need more like passion and warmth to go along with that power. Like power isn't desensitized anymore power isn't Mm. unemotional power isn't a black suit power can be a pink suit power can be whatever you want it to be and the more of us that step into those spaces confidently wearing it with pride chin up head back i don't give a shit the more we'll start to understand that power looks a lot of different ways and there's a lot of different people we need more of that for sure so whatever you want to wear however you want to wear it you just do it with confidence that's you just you just nail it just go sing beyonce in your head and walk in Amen. I love it. And especially what you said about, you know, showing emotion, human emotion. And, you know, we need that to have human connection. And I think that I heard Russell Brand speaking about that, about the Theresa May when she was crying. And he was kind of saying, you know, isn't that interesting that she was only able to cry, you know, publicly anyway, when once she was no longer in her position. And yeah, yeah, and that that is maybe, maybe it's the same for men and women. I don't know. But that when women are in certain roles or certain uh, seen in certain ways, they have to, yeah, keep it together. You have to show this one face this one side you know that doesn't show emotion and I think women particularly feel it more because then they're going to get that like oh she's a woman oh 100%. she's crying oh get she's stereotyped so easy yeah and we have this across all genders like we have this with with marginalized genders and non-binary people and like the anger thing like and we have that with black women as well the stereotype uh-huh. of being angry and it's like it really pisses me off because it's like I'm allowed to be angry oh, about the shit that's going on yeah like I'm totally allowed to be angry that every woman I know has been sexually harassed I'm allowed to be angry about the ridiculous shit that's happening in my society. And as long as that doesn't hinder your performance, fine. But we have to normalise motion. Like, the fact that we have to say we have to normalise motion is weird. Like, that's the most yeah. normal thing in the world. 
but it's because we've had male-dominated societies and male-dominated institutions. And let's be honest, that's not good for guys either. Guys mm-hmm. aren't being able to show their emotions. Guys aren't able to be like 360 humans in certain situations because they just have to dominate and be this totally unemotional guy. And it's not good for anyone. As soon as we can get past that, I feel like we're going to be in a much more um, human moral space that just feels better for everyone to be involved with. And and spaces will be opened up to people that maybe haven't been before. And that's really exciting. Yeah. Like, that's really exciting. Yeah, it really is. And I think for the next generation, especially for, you know, I look at my son, he's eight years old Ugh. and it still does. He is so cute. By the way. <laughs> oh says... my God. He is. He's like a drawing of a human. Like he's, he's so, so cute. cute. He's very sweet, very sweet natured. And I think um, I'm already, it's, it's difficult because you see it in the world you see it in media you see it in it's just so conditioned and deep into everything about you know whether it's toxic masculinity whether it's about what you just said about emotion even to children now you think that it's changing but then that thing of you know don't cry now because you're a big boy or don't you know it's like that kind of thing already like if they're three and they cry it's like okay fine but as soon as I feel like they're like five six seven the parents are like you know behave stop it stop crying don't don't be silly don't be and it's like my dad cries all the time I'm like love you like he shows motion (laughs) do you know what I mean and that's so there's a there's a such a strength and vulnerability I think like I was at a festival I was at wilderness and I walked past these two guys playing with this little boy who's like four and they're playing football and he fell over and the guy started laughing because he thought he was fine and the kid was like no I really hurt myself and he was like oh are you actually okay have you really hurt yourself and he picked him back up and the guy like the other guy pulled him up by the arms and stood him up and he went no come on Jack strong boy be strong and the little boy was crying and he put his arms up in like a strong and he was like <laughs> and he put his arms up like this and I was like you're all, you're already teaching him that he's not allowed to show emotion he fell over and he hurt himself like yeah and we don't realise how much society raises us. Like, our parents can do everything they could possibly do, but society raises us as well. Yeah. And so we have to offset that as much as we can in our conversations. Like, it's critical we do that. I think with all genders and all people. Definitely. And you have to check yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I have to check myself. I know that there's probably times where I'm like, oh, come on this. or Oh, and like, checking myself to be yes. like, actually, I mean, no one's, of course, we're not perfect all the time. No, you I'm know. conditioned. Yeah, and also Warfazar. you're tired and, you know, you're just like, come on. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, you're <laughs> Get human. to bed. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we've to all check ourselves and just kind of just continue to as you said listen to those conversations as well I think it's important the people who I hear talking about it are the people who are open to it willing to you know hear other ideas but I think the people sometimes who aren't willing to kind of take these things on board are the people that need to hear it the most yeah you're right and we all need to listen more like I'm so into I've got this ring which is like lips my sister bought it for my book deal and it's my like shut your mouth ring so like when I'm on panels or whatever and like someone asks me a question I don't know about I'll just look at my ring and be like don't say a word like listen more learn more I want to listen more than I speak now yes (laughs) that's great I mean wisdom wisdom people (laughs) I'm sure there must have been times when you felt overwhelmed out of out of your depth so for anyone listening to this conversation who's thinking okay right I'm I'm on board I've got something I want to start a movement a petition a campaign what advice would you give them other than the practical things and by the book is the one like kind of I guess like emotional piece of advice that you would give them at the start of their journey um whatever the narrative says about how we can all have it all and we can like nail that girl and all that stuff you need other people like I never got out when I was crying in the bath and try I nearly gave up like literally 50 times during this and when I was a mess it was never me picking myself out of the bath and being like let's go and kill it like it was other people come it was Geordie picking me out of the bath and making me dinner and talking to me for three hours you need to build a support system around you that's bulletproof. Like we all have those friends that were like, oh, they're kind of a bit shit or they don't really care that much. And I'm putting so much in and they're not putting a lot back. You don't have to get rid of those people, but I think deprioritize those. Make them social friends, have a drink with them, but don't try not to rely on those people and try and just create a group of people who are there. They are your cheerleaders. They'll pick you up whenever because you can't do that alone. And if you're, especially if you're, 
starting something like you're saying, the most important thing to do is find other people who are doing the same thing. Because when you're on your own, however good your idea is, you get isolated and you question yourself. When you have a group of other people who are doing a similar thing to you, you, you give each other energy. So just don't do it on your own. Find other people, have a good support system. However strong you are, you can't do it on your own. None of us can. Brilliant. Thanks. And I've seen, speaking of, you know, in, including other people, I've seen that you often invite other people to take over your Instagram stories, yeah. which I think is awesome. I saw that you, someone took, who was it who took over on Pride? Uh, Kenny took over and yeah. also Jamie took over. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah. yeah. So I saw that. I thought this is amazing. I think definitely more people should should do that, especially people who have, you know, huge audiences. And we get bored. We get bored of seeing the, you know, same, yeah. same face, same message every day. New, new day, same thing. So, yeah, give your IG stories to someone else to take over for the day yes. so they can share their message and their experience. Um, what do you why do you think it's so important to speak up online about, you know, these kind of big, big topics? And how have you found the confidence to do so? It's been an interesting journey. I've learned so much in the past two years with doing the politics thing. And there's so much I want to talk about, but it's really come from a place of being like, I genuinely feel like it's an obligation. Like as a white person with a lot of privilege, as someone who's been, sorry, I've got a cough. <laughs> um, as someone who's been given a platform and now people want to listen to because I've done this thing, there's, there's, no, there's, no other, there's no better way to use that than to talk about other people's stuff. But critically, I don't know everything. And like, I don't claim to. And I don't find it, I don't think it's, we've got a lot of people telling stories that aren't theirs to tell at the moment. Yes. And I really feel like I'm happy to come talk about upskirting. I'm happy to talk about campaigning. I'm happy to talk about activism. I'm not going to walk in a room and try and talk about the experience of other people. So it feels really exciting for me to like learn from other people and be able to like pass the mic or like drop out of a panel and put someone else on there or whatever. How much, how many appearances do I need to do? How much money do I need? Do you know what I mean? I'm fine. I'm happy. I've got a tortoise and a boyfriend and a great little flat. Like I don't need more shit. So it's really exciting to talk about those issues, but it's more exciting to be able to like learn from them and like use, take my space and give that to someone else. I find that really exciting and it, and it just keeps things fresh as well. Like I'm not a voice for everything. I've had one experience and it was very, very lucky. I've got a really, I had a very easy upbringing of really, my mum and dad have been together since they're 14. They still wrestle every night. Like, <laughs> I've seen I'm, you're very close oh my you. God, they're so cute. It makes me sick. Um, I'm just, I'm very lucky. So it's like my experience is incredibly limited. So I'll talk about what I care about, women's rights, marginalized gender's rights, but when I talk about experiences that are mine, I'll try and pass the mic a bit because I just don't understand how you can talk about everything. None of us know everything. Like, just when you thought you couldn't love Gina Martin anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, but it's amazing <laughs> that you said that because honestly, like I've had an experience like this recently. This is kind of off script, but whatever, where someone was like, I won't name who this publication was, you probably guess, but they basically were like, oh, we'd love you to be involved in this body positivity thing, mm -hmm. you know, talking about that. And, you know, fine, it's not body, no, body confidence well, but sorry, body, body confidence. confidence. That's okay. what it said. And I said, you know, as you just said, you don't have to be involved in every conversation. Yeah. Not every conversation is for everyone. Yeah. And so, yes, I have had experiences with, you know, being a mixed race woman, being a mixed race mother, having, you know, this being a woman with a body. But it's not a, a, a movement or a conversation or a panel or a discussion that I specifically feel that I have experience to say, OK, you know, I know all women, you know, uh, should be confident in their bodies, love their bodies, whatever shape, size, etc. I'm here for that. But I think, as you said, a lot of people now are kind of saying, let's use this person to talk about this because it's popular, because it's important and because we should. Yeah, And we should yes, have yes, a conversation yes. about that. So let's get these people. And I'm like, that's not my conversation. No, totally it's agree. Not, it wasn't. And then you just go, I'm just taking up space that someone could come in and like have a very, very, who's got like, real shit to say about that yeah like if i if i'm doing a job where i'm like oh i need to look over the questions and when i look over the questions or when they tell me about the theme or whatever i'm like what could i talk about on that i guess i could talk about if i start like that I'm, like, I'm done yeah exactly i'm done because yeah. i don't i'm not going in there being like 
unless I'm bursting to talk about it, I don't see the point in doing it. Yeah. Just taking up space if someone else could do it way better than me. And I don't, also, I'm bored of listening to my own voice. <laughs> I think all I've been doing is shouting about shit for two years. Like, what? I'm bored of that. I mean, but it's hard for people, I think, to turn things down. And also, they just feel flattered to be like, yeah, I want to do all the things. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, Your head definitely. gets turned for sure. But also, that's that thing where it's like, I'm, as a white person, I'm invited to every conversation. And like, mm-hmm. I know. I've had to look objectively at my work and be like, I know I'll get all the brand deals. I know I'll get all the panels because of the person I am. And even I talk about this in the campaign, like the way I was put on, because I didn't want to be the face of the campaign because they still have the photos of me and they were going to release it to media and it could have happened and it was all like a big thing. I just want them to talk about the upscaling thing. But it became immediately obvious that like a human story motivates people. So mm. the victim trying to change the law is like a big story and I could get the media on board. Therefore, I could pressurise the government. But like, the way the media was unequivocally faithful in me was like crazy because I had no experience. Yeah. I, but I'm I am a great example of like commercialized feminism. I'm there yeah. in the pink suit. I'm like, yes, let's do it. You look cool, red lip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They love that, and I'm a I'm a slim white girl, and that's what they do. They put me on the front of papers, and I don't know if the words that surrounded those photos would have been the same if I was like a disabled woman of colour from below the poverty line. Like they just wouldn't have been. Mm. They wouldn't have supported me in the same way. I wouldn't have got the same traction. I wouldn't have got the same time. So I look at my work now and I'm like, I'm gonna get another panel. I'm gonna get another brand deal because they're just throwing this shit at white women. Like they all the time. So and and you know, someone who's doing great work like Arja Barber, who's like an incredible anti-racism educator. She edited the white privilege section of my book. She does amazing work. She's like she says, she always gets like black women specials, like yeah. the same brands that will give white women the job and then they'll give black black women specials with less money and less whatever. It's like And the tokenistic approach of being like, Oh, we've got one associated with her but then never interested in working with her again. Like it's that's bullshit. And so I take myself out of the situation because I know I'll get another one. Like I don't need to I know people are gonna throw this shit at me, so it's like, well take yourself away and, and give that space to someone else because it's also like I don't know if we need another slim white woman being like, go for it, girls. Like, we've got enough of those, I feel like. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> A little bit. Hear it, people. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay, let's talk about the Power Hour. So, on this show, I love to hear about why people do what they do, what drives them, what gets them out of bed in the morning, what time they get out of bed, and I guess just people's daily habits, routines, things to do with success, health, happiness, all of it. So, and many high achievers kind of attribute a lot of their, you know, success or specifically when they're working on a project to having a structured morning routine. Mm. So, I'd love to know, especially from the expression on your face, I'd (laughs) I'd love to know what time do you get up in the morning? What's the first hour of your day like? And I'm going to caveat by saying, I read an interview with you that said you have 10 alarms in the morning. Oh my God, babe. 10. What is going on? I I am, I'm a 10 hour, 12 hour sleep person. Okay. So I'm like, if I don't get 10, 12 hours, I'm like a baby. Like it's unbelievable. These are all my alarms. Oh my. She's scrolling through and showing me. It says like 7, 7.05, 7.10, 7.15. It's unbelievable. And, And I don't wake up with alarms. They don't wake me up. When I was a kid, we tried everything. We even had an intercom system in my house. So my mum and dad had a buzzer and a speaker downstairs and they would shout because I was in the loft. Yeah. Like an intercom thing to wake so me up and they'd buzz it because the alarm just, I, in my sleep, I turn it off. Like I'm an insane sleeper. So I really struggle to get up. 
the last two years during the campaign, like I was getting, because I had a full-time job during the campaign. So I was getting up at 5 a.m. and then working till like 8 and going to work at 9 and then coming back and working till 1. So I was like absolutely knackered because I was getting like 8 hours sleeping out, which for me is like 2. Um, so so honestly, it's one thing I'm most ashamed of. Like I'm like a child. But uh, now I've kind of relaxed massively. So I used to get up at 5 a.m., put on coffee. The only thing that is a constant in my mornings is... I spend time making coffee. I don't know what it is about coffee. I think it was when I was a kid, I thought that if you were someone who woke up and like put a cafetiere on, you had your life together. Like okay. I used to watch One Tree Hill and be like, that's me in 10 years. <laughs> um, so I spend time making a coffee. I really enjoy my coffee. And then I get my little torts, pick my little torts up, wake them up, put them under the heat line, lamp, give them a bit of lettuce, fill their water, say good morning. They don't give any emotion back because they're rocks. Um, and then I usually get try and get out of my jammies because like if I don't do anything else, I'm not motivated if I'm... There's a dream of sitting in your bed, especially as a freelancer, sitting in your bed with a laptop in your jammies and just like working away. It never works. It's gross. And you feel so sluggish and just, yeah, I work from home. You and you've got to be up, out, showered, dressed, and then you can do the work. Yeah, you have yeah. to get your head into the mental state of that. But I'm awful. I'll wake up whenever, an hour before any job, or I'll give myself an hour to get ready before I have to get out of the house. Um, and I've really relaxed that because when I was during the campaign, I was like regimented army woman mm. and it killed me almost like those two years I just don't know how I got through them in terms of how exhausted I was um so now I'm really relaxed but yeah coffee and looking after my little baby tortoises is all I do in the morning and then I just I see how it goes I work better at night actually I okay. really like the idea of like everyone's no one's around and I'm like oh I'm getting so much done distraction. whereas when I get up in the morning morning it feels like that but way better but I can just never do it I'm too I'm too tired I'm well so I was sorry. gonna say it's kind of the same thing like the distraction thing that's why I do my power hour early because yes. I know there's no distraction there's no my son's still asleep there's the no one asleep. yeah whatsapping me emailing me and I can kind of I do feel quite like I've got just I don't know I send all the stuff out and then I feel like when everyone else then wakes up and does their thing yeah I'm like I'm waiting for you to reply to me that's so good which feels nice question I feel like the key to great mornings is early nights oh of course okay because I've only just realised it's taken me 27 years (laughs) to realise this what time do you go to bed 9.45 Every night. I mean, obviously, if I'm out, I have a life sometimes. Yeah. It's not very rough. But are you like, what life? Are you like, have fun on the weekends in the week? You're pretty much 9.45. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm oh 9.45. And it feels do. incredible. So the thing is, honestly, I know people are probably like, well, how boring. Like, I'm out having my dinner at that time, which if that's you, awesome. That's amazing. You're cool. I'm not. I get into the head <laughs> and I literally have like, I've taken off my makeup. I've maybe twisted out my fro. I've got like a little uh, podcast on or a book and I get oh, in bed. And down. then, yeah, wind down. And then I do this little to do list and I write I highlight three things so on the to-do list I can used be, to do that in the morning prioritise three things and that's it yeah so it can be like 20 things just I need to get out of my head I'm like get rid of those things and then I highlight three they're the only three that I need to make sure get done and then I'll husband chat 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 Do I just feel like then I don't have to be like I don't know there's no pressure of like you know do you know what I think that list thing is going to change me because in the past six months I dream about work I dream about I have I do speeches like if I'm doing a keynote speech or whatever I'll lie in bed and I'll go over and over Mm -hmm. the speech and I have this image in my head of like how I can do it better what it's not good enough what things go wrong and I now dream about my work so I never escape my work yeah I think wind down period no phone making a list getting stuff out your head I think that's really good I'm going to I'm going to try and do 9.45 and I'm going to message you because I think it will actually change my life it did for me because I'm also someone who yeah a lot of things in my mind a lot of energy and if I get into bed without doing it I do think I'm like okay I need to think about this maybe that what about that I I don't forget this and especially it's work but it's also life work so it's like Jude's swimming lesson this person's birthday party have I arranged who's picking Friday it's like all the stuff as soon as you write it down you know you're not going to forget it because it's on a piece of paper but the reason I tell people to highlight the three is because often people like if your to-do list is 20 things you're always going to feel like you're failing 
Yes, this always is always going to feel like your shit. Campaign. Yes, yeah. you can't do all that. Writing three down feels so manageable, and you're more likely to get it done. Yeah, so good. I'm going to do this from now on. Yes, I'm really going to make an effort. Let me know how it goes. I will. Also, okay, so this is really off, you know, to the side. But here we go. I thought about the morning routine, and I thought about I love your sister. Just putting that out there, Stevie. <laughs> never met her. She's she has amazing. no idea who I am, but She's I love incredible. her. Loved her podcast, The Debrief. It was hilarious. Yeah. And there was an episode once. <laughs> this was like <laughs> it was probably about a month after I'd started the Power Hour, and the first. First, like few guests, I think I was like, yeah, I get up at five forty-five. They're like, yeah, me too. And like, literally, I was like, power hours going to change the world. Um, and then I listened to one of your sister's episodes where she was like, lols, those people that like get up really early and they're like, go to the gym, drink water, do all the things. She's it's- like, nah, fuck that. Yeah, and she was yeah, like, yeah. it's only six o'clock. She was like, no thanks. She was like, two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm asleep at my desk. Why would I do that? She literally <laughs> was like, that's I- exactly what I'm like. Like, she wrote this piece about like how freelancers like early risers like night owls can get as much done yeah. but it's different and I was just like it's so good because me and Stevie have like harboured that like shame for a while where we're like we're just not very good morning people and like we're, n- we're not like productive enough like we're not hustling hard enough like we felt shit about it and she wrote this piece and the amount of people who were like yeah, me I get too. up at 12 and then I work at night I <laughs> yeah. was like yay like it's cool it's no so there's good. way I think there's way more people that are in your camp than there are in mine yeah. there's less people that are like but we yeah. all want to be in your camp that's the issue we're all like sad about it we're all like oh we're failing oh, really? but then it's like it's like as anything as long as you it's get like the work done. in different ways yeah totally as long as you get done but yeah shout out to Stevie because you don't know me but I love you she's amazing cool so I have a question which I ask every guest every week to encourage the listeners to try something this week it's called the power hour challenge it can be anything big or small can you give us a challenge something that they could try and get involved with this week so if you're trying the list thing before bed Maybe yeah, they that's could try it thing. and tell us if they're doing it. Yeah, the list thing would be a really good idea. Do the list thing. I think that would be good for everyone. There's one thing I've been asking people to do at book events, which is we spend so much time on social media, like we live there now. And I just think we could really open up how we use social media. Like I went through my social media about six months ago. <clears throat> Pardon me. When I wrote the book, I just realized I was following like all people like me. Like you don't realize like how echo chamber that place becomes. So I did I, in the book I do this thing about like how to diversify your social media. You spend all your time there. Like find people who don't look like you, don't sound like you, come from a different place from you, have a different socioeconomic background. Look who they follow and then like spider web out and just follow loads of people. Readdress the balance in your follow yes. because I feel like if we all did that, we'd be hearing stories and experiences from other people and we'd be way more interested, way more empathetic to other people's lives. And especially when we have Boris Johnson and Donald Trump and the the, the kind of climate we're living living in right now is so segregated we spend what four hours if you're good at your phone on your phone so I feel like diversifying your social feed if everyone went right now while they're listening to this went through even go on who I follow find all these people and then look at who they follow and just follow 200 people who don't look like you or sound like you just do it like just yes. do that yes I'm gonna do that I mean Yay. I feel like I follow so many different things just because I'm quite a, so good just quite an eclectic kind of not not even just people but it's like I'll follow like I don't know uh, an interiors thing then I'll follow like a mummy thing then a fitness thing yeah. then a food thing like I just am it's like so I want all the things you have yeah. to do that amazing okay am I oh before I ask you my closing question which is a big one. I would like to know, can you tell us all where everyone can find you on Instagram and Twitter? Yes, so I'm Gina Martin on Instagram and on Twitter I'm Gina Martin UK. Perfect. I wanted to say, I wanted you to say, the S is a five. Oh yeah, because my sister's <laughs> one. So good. So my closing question, which I asked every guest, is all about time. I'm so impressed that you gave up 18 months, well, two years of your life really to dedicate to this. Obviously it's been been worth it, but still hugely admirable. And I believe time is the most valuable thing we all have. Yeah. You can get your money back, you can't get your time back, and it's the most valuable thing you can give to another person. So, Gina, what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you? I think it's taught me that 
I think I used to think when I was younger, time has taught me that everything will be okay. That's such a fucking easy thing to say when you've had an easy life. Um, but now I feel like time has taught me that I don't know everything. Like the older I get, the more I learn and the more I realize I really don't know everything. When I was younger, I was like, oh yeah, I know everything. I'm fine. I'm never, I can't die. Life will be great. I'll, I'll just nail it. I'll just, you know, fate. And as I get older, I'm like, I don't know anything. And everything's so complex. And yeah, I think it's time has made me like learn more, but realize my ignorance. And I'm, I feel like I'm quite thankful for that because I feel like I was in a bubble for a long time. That's awesome. Absolutely mm. awesome. I saw this uh, picture the other day. It was like a graph saying that when you first learn about something, you like shout about it. And you want everyone to know. And you want to tell everyone because you're like, I know this thing. Everyone listen to me. Yeah. And then you learn more about it. And the more you learn about it, the less you talk about it. Cause you're like, oh, I'm learning more, which means actually I don't know this. I don't know this. I don't know this. Yes. So you talk less because you're like, I don't really know it. That makes a lot of sense. And then the more you carry on learning until you're like an expert. And then you're like, now I'm an expert. Ask <sighs> me the questions. So it's like a little curve, like a peak and trough. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. yeah interesting awesome thank you so much Gina thank you for having me you're a babe that you're was amazing that was so amazing fun. I loved it thanks for my cookie you're welcome <laughs> I bought Gina a cookie and a coffee yeah it's great, it was great. Uh, so if you enjoyed the episode please please do share it share it wherever share it on Insta uh, give us an iTunes rating review all of those good things and yeah get involved with Gina's challenge this week follow some new people mix it up as always I really appreciate your time so thank you so much for listening power our crew see you later Yay! Bye! Bye! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.